What's up, everybody? Welcome back to 5678 and Beyond. I am Darian Pleasant. And this is Catherine Whedon. And we are happy to be back for episode four of Mental Blocks Part 2. Yes, Mental Blocks Part 2. Um, quick recap of episode one. Um, we just talked about how every mental block is not actually necessarily a mental block. We also talked about how sometimes it's just that a kid is not strong enough to do a skill. We talked about mental blocks just being a really painful process for coaches, kids, and parents. Yeah. Um, and we just talked about ways that we felt like parents can hinder the growth of kids moving out of a mental block or how they can kind of push them into it. Um, and so we got kind of real nitty gritty yeah, last for sure. episode, for sure. It was for good, sure. though. It was good. It definitely, it was a good conversation. We had so much feedback. I know Kat and I both have gotten messages um, through social media and through our just, you know, through text message of parents saying thank you for talking about this and um, encouraging us and cheering us on. But they, we've gotten a lot of parents just saying how great um, the information was and how beneficial it was, I guess, to their own relationship with their child. Yes. And I think the biggest surprise from the feedback was parents going like, I guess there's things that we're doing that are not helping. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like that to us. But then hearing you say it, it makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, then we, we also got a few parents that were saying, uh, were you talking about me? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, somebody between last episode and now gave us like a one out of five star review. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so uh, let's preface this by saying this information is not targeted by any means. <laughs> At all. It's just general. It's just general information. And it's just a conversation about yeah. what we feel like we've experienced. Because at the end of the day, we're not experts on this. There are people that go to school specifically yeah. on how to combat this. But what we're experts on is our personal experience right. in the gym. Right. And that's really all we're talking about is we're just sharing some of the things that we've captured or seen just throughout the years of, of doing this. So, yeah. And I think we kind of get, we kind of have gotten a bad rep for being a little bit hard on parents. <laughs> um, but man, going back to episode one and two, like parents are so such an important part of this process. Right. But I do think that there is not a lot of very honest conversations mm -hmm. about things that parents can do to help situations like this. So if you felt personally, you know, seen mm -hmm. last episode, yeah. like, please know that like our overall hope is that you go like, man, I wasn't doing one, two, and three, but I sure was doing four and five. And I felt like I was helping, but I wasn't. Right. Um, and as a coach, it's really hard because mental blocks are very sensitive to people. They are. It's hard to say to a parent, like, step down, man, like mm -hmm. back off a little bit. Yeah. So if we can help, you know, say those words that's hard for coaches to give to parents, um, then we're doing our job, right? Right. And Just having we, a conversation. And if we only have three people that reach out to us and say, hey, this information um, helped change my uh, relationship with my child slash athlete, then we're doing something right. We're doing something right. Absolutely. Because we are not experts, but we are experts in our experience. For sure. So we were really tough on parents last time. And um, the second we got done filming, I was like, Episode part two is yeah. going to be about coaches, right. about all the things that we do and mm -hmm. that both you and I have done over right. the years that do not help kids move forward out of mental blocks or help push them into a mental block. Right. We've um, all been there. It's And especially when it's your first time working with a child with a mental block, it is a learning curve if you don't have access to the right information. Absolutely. And I would go as far as to say every coach out there has probably had some of these missteps and has probably pushed a kid into not being as confident in their tumbling as they could be without knowing it. Right. So in the same way that parents aren't always aware of what they're doing, I think there's a certain process that like coaches are not always aware. That is so true. So for all you parents out there, this is your moment to shine because <laughs> we're going to talk about things that we feel like coaches could do better. Right. Um, and again, this is just all of our experience. I said it last um, episode, I was on the floor as a tumbling coach for years. I did school tier school tumbling. I did um, privates. I did all-star tumbling. Um, and I don't have that role within our gym anymore. I do some privates, but everything that I'm going to talk about comes from the experience side of previously being on the floor as a tumbling yep. coach, doing private lessons for our kids that are struggling and seeing the, the macro level of the gym and how I feel like things have gone, mm -hmm. um, over time. So I would say Darren, my, my number one complaint for coaches on how we get kids to become unsteady or unsure about their tumbling is ding, 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 advancing them too quickly. You know that I am a stickler for progression. Yes. Healthy progression. 
And I, 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 we always find parents that are like, we don't necessarily want to go to a coach that is like pro- progression over, you know, perfection over progression because they think it's too slow. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you know, just like in real life, like sometimes you don't need instant gratification mm-hmm. and tumbling can't be an instant gratification yeah, activity that that's you true. do. Um, I believe that there's a lot of streamlining of tumbling right now. Yeah. Um, and from a parent perspective, I just think that they see the most clear examples of what's next, right? Mm-hmm. My kid gets a back walkover. What do I think is next? Yeah. A back handspring. Mm-hmm. Really, what's next is a front walkover, mm-hmm. two back walkovers. We can't, oh, we don't even get into how front tumbling has not worked yes. enough in the gym. <laughs> yes, a Valdez, you know, there's a thousand things before back handspring, but somehow tumbling has gotten very streamlined. Back walkover, back handspring, back tuck, layout, full double. Yeah. And it's like, no, there are so many things in between those steps. There's a ton of transition skills and other things that a child should be working and developing. Um, just one, to build muscle, to build strength, um, to prepare them for a backhand spring. Correct. And so let's say Susie has a backhand spring back tuck. Okay. Susie automatically wants to start working layouts. Susie mom wants to start working layouts in Poor tumbling coaches want to immediately work layouts. Mm-hmm. Good tumbling coaches are going to say, you have back handspring, back tuck. Now you need two in a tuck. Now you need three in a tuck running. Okay, now we need to be working front walkover to tuck. How does your aerial look? We should have already been working, you know, progressions through to punch fronts. Right. Can we do run off back handspring, step out, half turn, and run even, off back handspring, back tuck? And even before that, a good tumbling coach is looking at the tuck and saying, can this child land this tuck five out of five times? Are they tucking properly? Is it the right technique going into the tuck? To even prepare them to eventually do a layout correctly. Correct. And so we're just letting these kids streamline, Mm -hmm. right? And from an all-star perspective or even a school cheer perspective, like in level three, a roundup back handstring back tuck is one of the most basic skills you can throw. Mm -hmm. It does almost nothing for you. Score-wise. Score-wise, yes. So like when that kid wants to work a layout, but I'm like, you're not even one of my trick passes for three, it's a really hard pill to swallow so it again comes back to a collaborative effort between the the staff and the coaches. Right. Going okay, what do these kids need to be doing? Um, the best thing that gyms have, which since we moved, we have not gotten ours back up, is a list of all of the skills mm-hmm. that you should do in each level. Right. You know, because if a coach is not sure of what to work after a runoff back handspring back tuck, then that list tells them, well, next we should do an aerial. Next we should do a front walkover back handspring right. back tuck. And it gives you all the different skills that are in between. So I think streamlining is really hurtful because instead of working that layout, Susie should be reinforcing that tuck by learning every different way to get to that tuck. Absolutely. I agree. And so I think that that can be something that coaches do. And a lot of times it's unintentional. Um, They're just so happy for the kids. I want them to keep moving forward. Kids get happy when they get to work new skills. But it can be really harmful. Because Susie may not be ready for right. that layout. Susie yeah. probably is not ready for that layout. Yeah. So in the case of streamlining, uh, if we're jumping over um, the, the proper progression, um, it's detrimental for a kid to be working a skill that they aren't actually prepared to throw, whether it's technically, whether it's physically, whether it's mentally. And then we run into a situation where they go and throw their layout and... Not good. It's not good. They get hurt. They get scared. Mm-hmm. Something gets tweaked. Or they, you know, balk during the layout, land on their back, and and it then then there right there is the birth of tumbling insecurity. Right. Um. So I think it's just really important that we stop streamlining. And I think that streamlining is one of the reasons that you see a really big difference if you have an athlete that does school cheer and all star. It's a really big difference on why they can do. This on the spring floor, but not on the flat back. Yeah. If an all-star can do everything to a tuck, the likelihood that they can throw that same back handspring back tuck on the basketball court, on the football field, on the turf, on the flat mat is very high. Right. If they barely have a back handspring back tuck, but all of a sudden they're working layouts, the likelihood that they're throwing it for their school cheer teams is also really slim. Right. It's really slim. And, and the thing about working all these different types of skills to that tuck Yes, they're building uh, their technical skill, and yes, they're getting stronger in preparation for the next layout, but they're also building confidence, Absolutely. right? So now when they transition to a different uh, floor, they know that no matter what happens, they can land this transition skill into this tuck every single time. Correct. Correct. So then my kind of step two on things that like just make me 
cringe when I see it. And I see it in our gym and I address it. I see it other places. I've been this person before and I've learned how to not be it is coaches not demanding independent skills. Mm -hmm. I I harped and harped and harped on it. Yes. On last um, episode that independent skills are so important. Um, And what I mean by independent skills is like, what can they do by themselves? Yeah. And when I say by themselves, I am talking about a coach isn't standing there touching their back, putting their hand away, and the athlete does a back handspring. Like, what happens and what can they do when a coach is not standing there, is not pretending to spot, and then pulls their hand away at right. the last moment when that coach is not within five feet of them? Um, I always laugh when I get new kids for privates that are struggling with tumbling because I'll tell their parents, like, it is going to look like I don't care about your kid for 30 minutes. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of talking and there's going to be a lot of me walking away. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I always tell them like, it's really weird in the beginning for you, but you'll get it later, which is sometimes get again, kids who have tumbling insecurities mm-hmm. felt like everybody is watching them. Yeah. And that, that struggle and that stress of having to produce right that second is really hard for them. Yeah. So I'll give, I'll give kids a task and then I'll walk away if they can do it independently. Um, so when I say independent, I'm talking about with nobody there. Right. And if you have to be within five feet of a kid to do a skill, that's not independent. It does not count. Right. So <laughs> coaches, you have to demand independent skills. And again, like if you see coaches in your gym that don't demand independent skills, just explain it to them. You know, that kid can do it, but for some reason, they feel like if your shadow is not right behind them, they can't do it. Right. And you have to remind them like, the power is within them. Mm-hmm. It's not within that coach sitting next to you. That's true. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yep. Um, another thing is coaches not asking kids to communicate what they need to be doing versus what they want to yeah, be doing. That's a good one. Yep. So for my school cheer team, I really need to do this round of back tuck on a flat mat. Let's not get into the tumbling warriors who want to fight about a round of back tuck versus a backhand from back tuck. Mm-hmm. That's that is <laughs> that is not my lane. So I'm just using it as an example. Yeah. Um, but that kid is in constantly working a standing back tuck that they're never going to use yeah. right the second. Um, as coaches, you have to talk to them. Okay, hey Susie, how is your level four point two routine going for you? Well, I can't complete the elite pass. So then why are we working standing backs? Yeah. Well, I think I can complete it. I just never do. So we need to work on your stamina in doing that, right? Mm -hmm. So what Susie wants to work is the tuck. What Susie needs to work is her elite running tumbling pass. Yeah. And when there's not communication, like, hey, how's it going? How were practices this week? Mm -hmm. What was the most troublesome for you in tumbling at practices? You know, oh, you're just a wreck kid? What um, was hard for you at class this week? Mm-hmm. Like, focus down on yeah. what's hard for I them. I think um, we have to remember that these are kids. Mm-hmm. They are going to do their best to not do the thing that is difficult. Kids are sneaky. Right. And it's our job as coaches, as good coaches, to encourage encourage them to take on the difficult things. That's a life lesson and a, le- a lesson as a um, an athlete. Right. If we are like, oh, you don't want to work on that because it's scary. Okay, well, let's just do something else. Well, no, let's encourage them. Let's talk through it a bit if we can. For instance, Lux just had their um showing, showcase, which was yeah. their showcase, which was a lot of fun. But that that's so nice. We missed a lot of elite stunts at showcase. <laughs> Look, he's so nice. Well, we missed I, a lot of elite stunts at showcase, I, but tumbling was great. I enjoyed being there and tumbling <laughs> was great. Uh and I'm not gonna pat myself on the back, but you know, <laughs> but, you we, know, we, we yes. play a part. Good job, tumbling staff. But when we had our Monday class and everybody was warming up, the first thing I said at my mouth was, All right, how'd you guys like showcase? People clapped, some had a frowny face. I said, Who was proud of themselves and thinks they did a great job? Then I say, Who thinks they could have done a little bit better? Then I said, Hey, that's okay. We're in the gym today, so let's work on the things that were kind of hard for us and we need to tackle, and then let's move on. Yes. Right? So we should be asking those tough questions and communicating with the kids to help them get better. Yes. And let me just put a side note in here, which is I think overall our showcase went great. Um, if you know me in real life, like I am such like a realist. Like I am not – I'm not one of those coaches who's really good at getting on <laughs> Facebook and being like, oh – you know, junior five was just so amazing today. Right. Like they need to hear that. So I'm just going to say it. Oh, you know, we're coming. 4.2 is coming. Like I'm just not that person yeah. because I work in the world of reality. And I tell kids, and I said, it, I think on one of the, um, I think on the last podcast, I can't remember. There are a lot of things I am, but I'm not a liar. Mm-hmm. And to me, when you falsely hype up kids, you're lying to them. 
I and, agree. <laughs> and so when kids get like genuine, like that was amazing for me, they believe it, mm-hmm. right? We had a run um, two weeks ago on our 4.2 team, which I just, people hate 4.2. I love 4.2. I, I love it so much. <laughs> it is one of my very favorite divisions. And we we're back in all girl for the first time in a couple of years. And we did, they've been doing full outs for like over a month. They're the first full out team of our gym. Yeah. And we did a run and it wasn't perfect, but they pretty much like almost hit zero. Mm-hmm. Like on the second full out they ever threw, right? They almost hit zero. And I'm very rarely, if you know me, speechless. Mm-hmm. Like I've always got something to say, <laughs> right? I'm very rarely speechless. And they almost hit zero. And Tyler and Jackson, who coached with me, we were all just like looking at each other like, are they going to do it? And then they, you know, like most kids do, they miss like a prep in the pyramid. And it was kind of like, oh, okay, well, they got off the floor and they got done. And we called them all just looked at each other. And I was like, okay, so I've kind of got like goosebumps on my arm. I'm like, a, like, I'm, that was really good. Like, I can't <laughs> believe you almost did that. And I was like, this was amazing. Yeah. But they believed it because For they sure. know, like, I just am not a liar. Mm-hmm. So showcase was overall really, really good. But like the elites were not, were not fun. For and, me. and I think that's expected as coaches. We always see things for the first time, or we always see things that, you know, the, the untrained eye is not going to see. So when we see a routine go, mm-hmm. even though it looks great, we're always focused on the little things that didn't hit or all the things that we could do, we could be better. We're already thinking about the next practice and how we're just going to have to adjust. Yes. Yes. And so like, um, if you know, for your kiddos, you got to, you know, play that hype game. Play yeah. It. I just, I can't do it. Right. I, I'm just not good at that. <laughs> there are things I'm good at. That's not one of them. I agree. But I was overall really happy to showcase our preps pretty much, pretty much went five for five for hits. Mm-hmm. So that was really, really exciting. The big kids have some work to do this week, um, but they're going to get there. For sure. Um, but so, yes, yeah, so not communicating what they, you know, with the kid, what they need versus what they want is super important. The next thing is just over spotting. And this goes back to point two about independent. Like, the you want to know the number one thing that, like, I could not stand if I see it across the gym or someplace else or I see a video online is if a kid is doing a front walkover, round off back handspring full, and you spot the front walkover, the round off <laughs> back handspring. And the full, I am going to look at you like you're a full, okay? <laughs> Coach, you're working too hard. It doesn't make any sense. At that point, whose skill is it exactly? It's the tumbling coaches. <laughs> it's the tumbling coaches. Put them in a uniform. Put them on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say to a kid, like, hey, is Coach Therian going to come to competition with you? Huh? Is he going to be on the warm-up floor with you? Is he going to compete on the floor with you? Right. No? So then stop letting the skill be his. That is a go-to for me in my private lessons. When yeah. kids are like, when I have to remind a kid uh repeatedly the same thing every time they come back to a lesson um one that's part of our job so you can't get too upset about it but i always tell you know little Susie, hey Susie, like i'm not going to be with you at competition coach darian's not going to be able to yell out jump or squeeze or lift um Mm -hmm. from the audience because if i did you wouldn't hear me but also you need to remember these things on your own yes absolutely um and you've got to like you should not be spotting a round off, a back handspring, an Arabian, a back handspring, and a full. That kid should be able to complete the round off, back handspring, Arabian, back handspring. And if you need to be there for the full for safety, you should be there. Right. But like, it drives me crazy Mm because you are convincing these kids that they do not know how to go from a round off to a back handspring without you a back handspring to the next skill without you Mm -hmm. um i'm a really really firm believer now and i wasn't 10 years ago but like now i'm like a full does not need to be spotted yeah like it can be learned if you've got a good layout from a tumble track an air floor a rod floor it can be learned in progressions Mm -hmm. you know the days of superman fulls for me are gone um because it doesn't teach them, it teaches them a half-half, in right. my opinion. Right. I have seen some people that teach Superman fulls that have great kids at full. For me, I just don't think it is um, the right way anymore. But I also think there's a hundred ways to do things. And yeah. so if um, a kid works with a school cheer tumbling coach that's different than our staff, mm-hmm. and they teach something different, I do not undercut those coaches. Right. I don't tell a kid, you're being taught wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I tell a kid, they just do it differently than we do, and a lot of it has to do with style. And right. The style that I like is this. Because um, you, as an adult, get nothing from undercutting other coaches. That's um, so unless true. they're putting kids in a safety position. Yeah, that's right? different. And, right. Um, but I cannot stand the overspotting mm-hmm. of skills. Yeah, I don't I don't spot too much. I do spot if I feel that it's really necessary. Sometimes I'll spot if a kid 
needs like a light confidence boost, but mm-hmm. I communicate to them beforehand. It's like, I will give you one spot and then either you're going to try it on your own or do it on your own. And if not, we're going to do the skill before this and work up to um, getting back to this skill. And I'll also throw in some training drills and things to kind of build that strength and build those areas so they can perform that skill by themselves. But, mm-hmm. you know, and the same thing with fools, you know, with proper training, proper progressions, proper um, um, conditioning and all those things, it's possible to teach a fool well, without touching. We've almost solely gone to it within mm-hmm. the gym. And again, like my my tumbling director, Wes Butler, and I, we, we used to go head to head for years because he came from like really the old school camp of like he was a gymnast. He was a, you know, a young male gymnast and then became a cheerleader and he did things and, and taught things the way that he knew. And um, it worked for a really, really long time and we were producing good athletes. But then as the tumbling, um, as the tumbling kind of like, I would say, um, training got better and we had better access to it it was like well we need to move forward and there were things that to move forward that i wasn't comfortable with but there were things that he was like we have to move this yeah. direction and there were things that like he wasn't comfortable with and i was like wes we have to move this direction yeah and one of the things we've moved towards is like no spotting on fools if mm-hmm. they cannot learn how to do it on the tumble track independently then they probably should not be able to do it right you're gonna have a kid who has got a full with a spot for 10 years mm-hmm. right so if they can learn on the tumble track they can learn on the air floor right if they can learn on the air floor or the tumble track, they can learn on the rod floor. If mm-hmm. they can do it independently on the rod floor, then they can do it on the spring floor yeah. and get caught or, you know, have a safety net to it. Um, but I just think there, other than a back handspring, to me, a back handspring is still a skill that needs to be spotted in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't come at me, tumbling coaches, who feel <laughs> differently about that. Mm-hmm. But for me, a back handspring is, there's there's a gap for me that needs to be bridged in a back handspring. Yeah. Um, but like a full, a layout, a tuck. Yeah. Any of those things, two backhand springs can be taught yeah. without, I think, without spots. I think as a coach, I think there are now there's access to so much information. Um, social media, people have huge, huge tumbling accounts now, coaches who are mm-hmm. great at this job. Um, but there's so much information. If you if you're looking to be a coach that wants to spot, there's new information, new ways to spot, new techniques. If you don't want to spot, there are a ton of information on how on how to help your kid progress the right way and not have to heavy spot every, every single thing. Yes. And if you're not, if you're, if you're working on tumbling with kids and you are not following accounts that are really great and showing great drills, like you're doing those kids and yourself a disservice. I was just thinking about that. I feel like if you are a coach and you take this job seriously, you need to be looking at stuff in and out of the gym. You have to be willing to grow. Yeah. You know, and we tell the kids all the time, like, Again, like I am a much better person right now than I even was 10 years ago, even five years ago. I am a person who like, if somebody figures out a way to do it that is scoring better or is cleaner or just aesthetically is better, like I will not die on the hill anymore of this is how we do it. Right. You know, like landings of jumps, landing of tumbling. Um, If you are advanced enough, you know that there are a thousand ways to land a back into back tuck in a routine. Hands out in a low V, hands by your side, hands curled into your chest, um, hands on your hips, hands here, hands there, you know, landing slightly bent over, holding through the clean and then cleaning. And every year I go back and I look and see like what's scored. What do I see on social media? What do I see a lot of gyms doing? Mm -hmm. Um, And you have to learn. You have to keep learning. Yeah. And I think that we um, have nurtured a really great environment of learning at Lux. Mm -hmm. Like. Like we still have people that are set in their ways about stuff, but mm-hmm. I kind of don't allow people just to dig their feet in. Yeah. You know, we took our entire staff to training this summer. Um, I, I mean, I went to six different conferences this summer. We are constantly learning. Yeah. Right? And I, I have, I have specific athletes. They're typically um, some of the higher level kids where like, I'll use them as my like experiment kids. Mm-hmm. So if I see a cool drill, I'll show them the video and I'll say, Hey, let's try this. Mm-hmm. And we did one yesterday with one of the athletes and she started doing her standing pool on the air floor. Just after a couple of tries and she hasn't landed it before that. So, which I love pays off. It does pay off. And you just have to be willing to learn. And there's a hundred ways to teach a back handspring. And depending on who you're talking to, they'll tell you what they think is the right way and wrong. I just don't believe that there are, um, that there's only one way to do anything. I agree. And again, the older I get, the more, the less stubborn I get. Well, I think I'm less stubborn. Uh, everybody would agree, but the older I get, the less stubborn <laughs> I feel like I am and the more that I'm willing to go. Like, at the end of the day, like, sometimes there's a choice between being right and doing right yeah. by the kids. 
And so I choose the do right by the kids think, versus the being right. I, I feel like if you're ever torn, it should be what is most beneficial to this athlete, to their cheer career, to their uh, health, to their safety, um, to the least amount of injuries, mm-hmm. um, and, and also so to be most successful when performing and competing. Yep. And, you know, I'll backpedal for a second. You know, we just had our showcase this weekend, and this has been a really um, tough week in Luxland for us. We have an athlete that is in the ICU fighting for her life. For sure. And has been on teams with the majority of the program that's above 10 years old. And it's been a really heavy week Mm -hmm. for these kids. I mean, heavy. It's been a really heavy week as coaches. And I got to about Thursday of last week, and I kind of was talking to my husband, and I said, I just don't even know if we should do the showcase. Like, it's been a really hard week. Like, I I just don't feel like you look at these kids' eyes and they're looking at you for answers mm-hmm. and you don't have answers to a bunch of questions they have. Yeah. And um, I could see the toll wane on our older teams um, that this athlete was on. And and I was like, I don't, I don't know what the right decision is. And he was like, the right decision is what you think it is. And I said, I think these kids need to keep moving forward. But I think that we're going to have some struggles at Showcase. And he was like, we keep moving forward one step, one foot in front of the other. Um, and I thought we were kind of like on that precipice of like, we're either going to rally and hit everything or we're going to have some struggles. We had some struggles in the elites, like I said earlier. And afterwards, you know, my comment to the parents after we got done with Showcase was, those kids are fully aware of what they missed. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of what they missed. They know you're aware of what they missed. They know how much money you've spent mm-hmm. to be a part of this. They know how much time and how much of a family sacrifice this is. And they still missed the stunt. And right now, we will continue to miss more stunts if you guys are not just mom and dad. And if we don't coach and level up our expectation. Um. And so I, I challenge the parents to, like, don't sit here and, and get stuck on every single thing they did wrong. Like, they did what we needed them to do, which was despite the heaviness of this week, mm-hmm. they still came together. And 95% of those routines were fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. And, you know, my challenge to them was just let these kids move forward and let just be mom and dad. We'll coach. We'll make adjustments. Yeah. Um, but it just reminds you that kids are so resilient, right? And learning through failure this is where i'm coming all back to mm-hmm. learning through failure is sometimes the best way to learn yeah you can't protect them from failures and disappointment life is full of disappointment right yeah that's true um but the last thing i'm going to say so just that was just kind of my roundabout way of talking about how like kids need us even when you know they're going to fail at something mm-hmm. or they're going to not do as good as they could but your hope is always that that failure pushes them forward right right and sometimes it feels like with tumbling blocks that it's a failure of a coach mm-hmm. or a kid or a parent. Um, but the last thing I think the coaches can really do is start listening to what your athletes are telling you. And I'm not just saying about what they're actually physically saying to you. If, a, if an athlete who has tumbling insecurity or struggles gets to a certain point and they're doing great, and then all of a sudden we do a single skill, and it's always that skill that brings them back to the beginning, mm-hmm. you have to listen to that. Yeah. And you have to ask yourself, like, can we get around this skill? Is there a way that we focus on the skill in a way that's less stressful and scary for that kid? I'm also a really big believer in body language. We talked about this during episode one, the standing on the side and rubbing their palms mm-hmm. and kind of like scratching at their legs and adjusting their shoes. And um, we used to have a kid who every time she was about to cry, she would like be like, I need to tie my shoe. Mm-hmm. And she'd be down there, you know, getting herself together. Um, but you got, if you watch kids enough, yeah, they've got so many tells. Right. There's a time. And you got to listen to them and you got to start figuring out what triggers them and their stress. And then you got to figure out how to avoid it and to work through it. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of my idea on like ways that I feel like coaches just really hinder that process. Again, advancing too quickly, not demanding independence, um, not communicating what they need versus what they want to do. Right. Over spotting, over spotting, over spotting, over spotting. And standing there is still over spotting. Mm-hmm. Um, walk away. Okay. And then not listening to what they're telling you is kind of my last one. Right. So now that we've talked about ways that kids kind of get themselves into this, parents can make it worse, coaches can make it worse. Let's talk about some tools that we use. I know you've got a lot of tools yeah, that you um, use to help work with kids who have tumbling insecurity. Yeah. So if, if a, a parent uh, ever requests to do a lesson with me and I know that their child is struggling with a mental block, I always first communicate with the parent about. Um, if they are not aware of what mental blocks are, I kind of talk to them about like, hey, this is a, a journey. Um, this is not going to be an overnight fix. 
So if you're wanting to pay me to work with your child, just understand like this isn't going to be a, a one-time fix-all situation. It's going to need to be multiple lessons, and they're not going to look like what she's used to doing. So I work with a girl right now. Um, we work about once once a week for the last maybe about a month and a half, and she's struggling on doing um, backhand springs. So a lot of our lessons look like, um, well, first I, I always um, say, hey, this is what we're going to work on. So we do a lot of things with body positions, um, handstands, driving hips, snapping down. I'll trick her into doing like back walk over to handstand, snap rebounds, things of that nature to almost like mimic a backhand mm-hmm. spring. Sometimes I do that same thing to snap rebound, to flat back. Um, so that's really been helping her. Um, she likes to do roundup back handsprings over the boulder. That that's, uh, tends to be helping. Um, but our, our lessons are kind of geared around how can we almost mimic the um, positions and techniques of a back handspring without her having to do it. Yes. And I love that. And actually, what you, you hit something that is so important to me. The very first thing you said, which is before we get going, we talk about a plan for the day. That is so important. When I when I do privates, especially with kids who have tumbling struggles, the first thing I ask them is, what's our goal today? Mm-hmm. And if they cannot give me a goal that is realistic and tangible, I'll say, we're just going to wait until you have a goal. Right. Like, they need something realistic and tangible. So let's say, let's say Sally is struggling to do a backhand by herself. A realistic goal is probably not, I'm going to do that backhand by myself with nobody standing there on the spring floor today in 30 minutes, if that's been a struggle. Um, what I want is... I'm going to do it 25 times on the tumble track yeah. with nobody there. Yep. I'm going to do it 10 times on the air floor, which can sometimes stress me out. And I can sometimes get through five or six, but I'm going to push for 10 mm-hmm. today. And that is going to be a good day forward. Yeah. I'm going to go through the tumble track, the air track, and then we're going to go to the rod floor. And I want to do at least three on the rod floor. Right. I want something that they can walk away and say, I did that. Yeah. Right. Um, I work with another girl. I do the same thing. I say to her, where can you do a back handspring? Yep. And I think for a while it was the air floor. Mm-hmm. So I say, all right, we're going to go to the air floor and we're going to do as many as you think you can. Mm-hmm. So we've done that for a little bit and we've transitioned then to like the, we go to the tumble track. Then sometimes we'll go to the rod floor. So then out of nowhere, I hadn't seen her for like a week and she she was in the gym. She said, Darian, she came over to me so excited. I can do my back handspring on the spring floor. I was like, well, show me. She did it, and of course, guys always take the time to celebrate with these kids. Yes, even if it's in a lesson, and they're and they are pretty much doing, you know, if my if the kid is doing the back walk over a snap rebound a flat back, I rejoice with them because that for them was kind of scary. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you're celebrating these kids and rejoicing these baby steps that they're taking. And do you know what I love the most about what you're saying is, um, you also have got to remind your body what you did right, yeah. right? So we've got a kiddo that you do some privates with who's doing standing fools. This is like our most like stoic, stoic, straight-faced kid in the gym. She is a phenomenal performer, but like she does not want to say two words to you. Yeah. I love this kid with my entire heart. She really is super talented. And she is like a stone cold killer. Okay. Like, like all the time. Um, and we're warming up for our world's, you know, showcase this weekend. And she, I was like, are we doing a one in a full or standing full? Because again, I give kids choices sometimes. And she was like, I I I think the standing full. I think the standing full. And I was like, okay, cool. Good for her. I was like, Okay, cool. Um, and then she's warming it up and she missed like three of them and she's really down on herself. And then she hit one and I was like, yes, you did it. And she just kind of looked at me stoically and I said, it's okay to get excited for yourself. You know what's funny? I said the same thing to her about yeah. a month ago. I said, it's okay to get excited for yourself. And she just kind of <laughs> looked at me and I said, if you get excited for yourself, that serotonin, that excitement, your body's going to go do that again. Yeah. It's going to remember that what, what I just did, that was it. So, yes, I do love it when they celebrate what they did right, because then it's like a quick, you know, applause for your body. And your body yeah. goes, OK, so the other five ways wasn't right, but this one was right. So it's going to remember that and it's yeah. going to remember the reaction and it's going to remember the for happiness sure. and that so feeling. True. So true. Mm-hmm. So she did her back handspring on the floor and then we started doing more lessons and then she wanted to get her round of back handspring. Mm-hmm. So she's doing it by herself on the rod floor. And with her, I noticed that if I ever create her schedule for the mm-hmm. private, she immediately locks up. But if I say to her, okay, well, what do you want to do today? Mm-hmm. She'll say rod floor. She'll go on the rod floor, go on the rod floor. Then out of nowhere, she goes, I think I want to try them on the spring floor. And in my mind, I'm like going crazy. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, go, go, go. But I said to her, is that what you want to do? She goes, yeah. I was like, all right. She goes, I want to do one. I want to do two more on the air floor, uh, on the rod floor though. I'm like, okay, cool. And she goes to the spring floor and I was like, I'm like, all right, go for it. And I step all the way back and she does around if I can't swing on the spring floor. 
for the first time. And I think I saw that one. Yeah, yep. you did. I, I, I whispered to you, hey, Kat, look. <laughs> but she did it. And I mean, it's probably been a long time. It's been a very long time. And she was so happy. And and the crazy part is I recorded the video for her. And when I showed her, she goes, oh, that was better than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. The crazy part is she's actually physically doing the skill and she knows it. Mm-hmm. But in her mind, she still thinks this is like a tragic train wreck. But when I showed her the video, she had a big grin because she realized that she is doing a skill very well um, that she has not done in a long time. So, yep. So I just kind of take my time with athletes. I sometimes I will um, schedule a gear the lesson out for them. Other times I allow them to let me know what they believe that they can do. Yep, I I agree wholeheartedly, and uh, that was like one of my points that I was going to make sure we hit, which is that sometimes kid needs kids need choices. Um, when I do private, especially kids who struggle on tumbling, I will give them a choice. We can do five on the tumble track, or we can do five on the air floor. Some kids need that. You choose. Mm-hmm. And I know where I want them to be, but I'll go, okay, and then they'll do five. For me, I always tell the kids my magic number is five. Mm-hmm. If they can mentally push themselves through five of something, then I'm always going to give them a water break or a brain break. And mm-hmm. I tell the parents, it's going to feel like they take a lot of water breaks. But what I want them to know is like, it's kind of like when we're working out as an adult, like, okay, if I get this last minute, I can get off this treadmill. Yeah. Like sometimes they need that feeling like if I can just get through these five, I don't have to get through 20, but if I can get through five at a time, yeah. I can do it. So I'm going to go five at a time. And after each five, I'm going to say, okay, that was really good. Do you Would you like to do five more here or five more to the air floor? I would really like to get to the air floor, but I want you to be comfortable. Okay, I want to do five more on the on the tumble track. Okay, they go and do five more. And then they come back and I say, okay, so you can go five on the air track or five on the rod floor. Basically telling them like the, the tumble track is no longer an option. Yeah. But they still get to choose. And I think that sometimes choice is really good yeah. for them. Yeah, as, as a coach, you do need to be paying attention to who your athlete is. Because the choice thing works well, and I think it's a great tool. But if you're working with an athlete who is struggling with making the choice and they just become indecisive or panicked, it's important that you know your athlete and that you, they come in and you already have your game plan set. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, yeah, so choices, a game plan. I also like to set boundaries, mm-hmm. which is when we make goals, we make a plan for the day. My boundary is that we stick to the plan. You have positive self-talk and we don't have any meltdowns. Right. If you have meltdowns or if you get all worked up, then I'm going to kindly tell you that the private is over. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell coaches all the time when I walk in, like, go ahead and send that kiddo home. Mm-hmm. Like, like they're they're all all they're doing is working themselves up into yeah. absolute distress. And what I hope the kiddo takes from that is like, I don't want to be a part of anything that makes you feel worse about yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a part of anything that that doesn't feel great. And up to this point, you were doing fantastic. Then all of a sudden we took a nose dive at, at minute 17. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you a second. You're going to get water. You're going to try to regroup. If we do not regroup, then we're going to be done for today. Yeah. You know, and again, like everybody has to do things differently, what works for them. But for yeah. me, I just like that I set boundaries and that they know those boundaries mm-hmm. are going to be set. Um, we say this all the time. Dealing with a middle block is a marathon. It is, it is not a sprint. Yep. And that sprint is what gets people into trouble. Slow progress that lasts is better than fast progress that is fleeting. Yeah. So I want, I want for a kiddo to, if if all we did today was their goal is back tuck, but we went from one back handspring to two, mm-hmm. or a back walk over back handspring, or anything, a back handspring pause, back handspring, like but it sticks and it's something they can continue to do forever. Yeah. I am 100% behind that. Yeah, I always, I always talk to parents and, and kids about like longevity of skills. And I always say that I teach from a place of, I would like you to be able to have this skill in your repertoire for the life of however long you plan on doing cheer. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to be able to do this skill five out of, um, five out of 10 times or, or, or every other time you throw it, it's to land. My goal is that you can land it every single time, and then mm-hmm. you can feel successful and confident to move on to the next thing. Yes. And it pays off. We had an athlete that came to our gym a couple years ago, and the mom, I mean, this was probably one of the most realistic moms I've ever dealt with. The mom said, basically, we kind of have to mourn the loss of what my kiddo used to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm at the place right now where if she never throws an Arabian through the full again, but somebody having to stand there, then it is what it is. But I just want her to be happy. She loves cheer. And I, she sought us out because we had a 4.2 team. The kid was really, really talented and still is all around. 
but just that tumbling confidence was just not there. And I told the mom, I said, this is going to be a very slow progress uh, process. And I, and I need you to bear with me during this slow process. And I need you to, you know, be on my side. And the mom has been fantastic since day one. Um, when the kiddo came, she was doing back handsprings, but we still had lots of struggles everywhere. We had struggles connecting a round off to a mm-hmm. back handspring. And I had to get really creative with her, you know, really creative, very slow process, a lot of independent work. And the kiddo is throwing, you know, punch front through to back handspring, step out, back handspring, back handspring, layout, and level four. And she's throwing toe touch, back handspring, back tucks. She would throw toe touch, back handspring, step out, back tucks, because mm-hmm. that was comfortable. She could control it. And, um, just even seeing her throw standing backs on the sidelines for her school every time her mom posts a video, I think how far we've come. Yeah. And, you know, for, for this kiddo, like it was slow. It took us two years to get here, but she's not lost anything yeah, since we got awesome. there. She's, re- she's retained everything. She's retained everything yeah. and she's worked really hard to retain it. Yeah. You know, and we go through periods where I'll do a private with her every once in a while. And we go through periods where she does privates with other coaches in the gym. And sometimes she'll go to class. Sometimes she she won't. We do what makes the most sense for her. Right. You know, because it's all about what's best for her mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah. Another thing that I I do often is I like to talk to my athletes that are that have mental blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, because as we've talked about in the past, we know that sometimes it's not even the fact that they can't perform the skill physically. Sometimes it's other things going on in their life that are that are causing mm-hmm. them to block. So a lot of times, like we'll come into a lesson and we'll get going, and you know the mental block starts kind of flaring up. And there have been times when I'm like, "Hey, come sit down next to me and let's yep. let's just talk about how's your day, what's been going on." And you'll never. I mean, there's been so many times when kids start telling me about anxiety that they're having. One girl told me, I think it was just last week, how her friends got, got in a fight earlier that day and it's been stressing her out. Yep. And that's why she felt sick when she came into her lesson. Or another girl told me how she's afraid to throw her tuck and she really doesn't want to because it's difficult for her right now. You know, mm-hmm. so it, you'll be surprised what comes up in these moments. And it, as a coach and as a, someone that these kids typically trust, you have the opportunity to kind of be positive, mm-hmm. kind of like speak life and encourage them um, in a you know, in a positive way that can almost kind of change the trajectory of what's going to happen next. Yep. So if I have a kiddo that uh, I tell people that like mental block slash tumbling insecurity, like never goes away. It is just something that kids have to learn tools to work through. Yeah. That, 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 that part of them will never go away. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we can just learn ways to combat it. Right. Um, but if I have a kiddo that's just really, really in the neck of it, and I feel like, you know, kind of like last episode, like a parent needs to pull back, a coach needs to pull back because man, just while there's just like, there's some crazy parents that get really invested in whether this kid throws a skill or not. There are coaches that feel like every kid out there is a personal walking, talking advertisement for them. And instead of wanting these kids to succeed because they want them to succeed, they want them to succeed because I made that kid. Mm -hmm. No, the parents made that kid. We, 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 we help make their skills, but like. They don't have a responsibility to you to throw a double full. So true. It's not, it's not your double full. Right. And you have to be happy with like being a part of that, but it's not yours, right? But I will, when I have a parent who's, or a kid who's really in the thick of it, I will look at the parent and I will say to them, if I told you that your kid would never tumble independently again, like your kid used to throw back tuck, she won't throw back tuck. If I told you she never is going to throw back tuck again, right the second, how would you feel about that? Wait for them to answer. And then I say, would you love them any less? Well, no, no, I wouldn't love them any less. Like I love them irregardless. And Mm -hmm. I was, and I'll say to them, okay, make sure that they know that, Mm -hmm. you know, because some kids won't ever throw some of the skills they threw before again. Yeah. That's just the truth. Yeah. And nobody wants to hear that. But like, I also say this to parents, your kid has a double full, but your kid honestly does not want to be accountable for a double full of routine. There's a difference between throwing it for fun at rec class and throwing it under pressure yeah. and warming it up and having to know that if you miss it, it hurts your team. Yeah. And sometimes the easier way to not have to deal with all of that is just to not throw it. Right. I, I tell a lot of people that, you know, let's stop trying to kind of get back to where we were. Mm-hmm. Like, let's make a new plan. Make a new path. So mm-hmm. we can like set new goals and and kind of go from there. But for some reason, whenever people are trying to like get back to where they were, and this is like a life thing, but get back where it's it. It just never works out well no. because you're like fighting for something that 
has passed. It's like dating an ex-girlfriend or boyfriend. Like, like <laughs> this you know, work out. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like the summer camp theory. Like everybody hates summer camp while you're there. And then the second you get away from summer camp, it's like, that was the greatest time of my life. Yeah. But Jimmy, you called me every day and you wanted to go home every it was the greatest time of my life. Right. Like, like who your kid was at seven, eight, nine, ten is not who they're gonna be at 13, 14, 15. Mm-hmm. And if forever we're always talking about, well, you used to be able to, well, you used to, well, lady, Kat Whedon in college used to be really skinny, used to fit in really small clothes. Okay. Yeah. And now I'm a full woman who has had two children and who, you know, loves sweet food and sometimes can binge eat when stress stuff gets real stressful <laughs> in the gym. And at the end of the day, if my body is healthy, I have to understand that like, right. I am never going to be in the shape I was right. as a freshman in college. Yeah. And so for you to tell your kid, well, you used to throw da 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 like I used to wear a size two jeans. Okay. <laughs> so like sometimes you got to mourn the loss of let's, it and move let's, on. <laughs> let's make a plan and make goals for where we're at now. Yes. And, where, and what direction we're heading towards. Yes. And it is okay for your kid to grow. And, you know, we didn't hit it a lot here, but like young women's bodies change yep. and their emotions change and their, their hormones and how they, you know, understand life and how they become like really irrational between the ages of 10 and 20. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, you know, like, like that is a hard time. And so sometimes their body cannot keep up with where they're at, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's just a collaborative effort. And when we have kids that had kicked all baskets for years and they start growing and they start maturing and that kicked out basket's really hard. We don't remind them like, what's well, because you're growing. We just tell them like, yeah. like you're gonna like, like development and growing and becoming a young lady and then a woman is not the enemy. Like, right. like, like it's growing true. and aging is not the enemy. Yeah. And I think in cheer, we a lot of times really associate any kind of growth with the enemy. I mean, yeah. listen, Go to the gym, any gym in the country, when it is uniform sizing time or practice for a sizing time, and you will see parents hold on way more than a kid. Yeah. A kid nine times out of 10 wants to just be comfortable. Mm-hmm. But we'll have parents that like, Julie will say, hey, this kid needs to go to an adult small. And the parent will be like, she needs to be in a youth size. And Julie's like, she really needs to be an adult small. It's going to be comfortable. Nobody sees their tags. Nobody cares what size it is, right? And this parent, parents will just like die on that hill. And I'm like, is it worth your kid being uncomfortable? I am like, wear whatever size you're comfortable in, right? Yeah. So development and growth can't be the enemy. And every kid goes through that at a different, and every like young woman goes through that at a different age. Yeah. And I don't know why, but for young boys, like development and growth is like so exciting. Like getting bigger, getting mm-hmm. taller is so exciting. For girls, it is the enemy and it's so destructive. Yeah. And so, you know, in Lux Cheer, we're really much about like, Sometimes they're tumbling and they're struggling because they're growing and their body doesn't know what to do Mm -hmm. and they're going to be in a holding pattern and they're going to have to work through it. Yeah. And the best thing they can do during that time is to just keep coming to the gym and keep tumbling. Keep coming and keep tumbling. Um, Overall, you know, what today we've talked about in last episode is that this is just a collaborative effort. We just keep coming back to this triangle, which is the athlete, the parent and the coaches Mm -hmm. slash gym. This is a triangle. And if you know anything about architecture, the strongest the actual strongest shape in the entire world is a triangle. Mm-hmm. And so this three-piece puzzle is incredibly strong when it is on the same page. Right. And it is and collaborative, and it's really weak when we're not collaborative. Yeah. Um, last couple of things I'm going to say. Comparison is the thief of joy. So true. What Sally does does not matter for what Susie does. Mm-hmm. What Susie does does not matter for what Tabby does. It Stay in your lane. Focus on your kiddo. Right. Um, And then the very, very last thing is that we always have to remind ourselves that the athletic ability to do a skill and a kid having the mental maturity to to do that skill are not the same. Mm -hmm. It just is not the same. I always look at, um, we always have those tiny or young kids that are super, super talented. Mm -hmm. And I always remind parents and myself that like, just because she can do all these crazy skills at the age of eight, Mm-hmm. does not mean that mentally she's ready or Correct. mentally that she can, you know, maintain this place. Correct. And some kids do, man. And yeah, some, some kids, some those kids, kids do. And, and it's wonderful. Few and far between. Right. But a lot of kids don't. And then they have an identity crisis yeah. because they are the standing fool. Mm-hmm. They are, they are the one that tumbled better than all of their friends. But what happens when your friends catch up? What happens when they surpass you? Mm-hmm. What happens when you start developing, but they haven't, and you have to learn how to work through mm-hmm. that? Like, 
Like we don't prepare these kids enough for yeah. real life. D development and aging is not the enemy. No, it's not. Growing is not the enemy and that stuff for start, young women. I mean, we can get into it, but I mean, that stuff starts at home. Mm -hmm. You know, parents, how are we supporting our kids as they're growing and developing and are becoming more intertwined with their ath athlete identity? Yes. Coaches, same thing. How are we encouraging these kids? How are we um, telling them that it's okay to be different? How are we encouraging where they're at skill-wise and kind of making um, a special path for them and then it's okay to make a special path for somebody else? Right. And again, it all just keeps coming back to like we're on episode four now talking about stuff that is so specific to cheerleading. We're talking mm -hmm. about tumbling blocks. But as always, this goes beyond yeah. the mat. Absolutely. This goes beyond just that moment as a cheerleader. This goes, all of this stuff transcends cheerleading yeah. and really is the heart of why we created, you know, five, six, seven, eight and beyond. And beyond for sure. And I think um, the core of the triangle always has to be what's best for the kid. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think if, if that was where our hearts are always at, then there's really no failing there. Absolutely. Um, we are going to keep moving with topics as we go. Um, we appreciate all the viewership we've had to this point. This has been such a cool process. Yeah, it has. Um, so um, be looking for our Instagram page. What is it? Five, six, seven, eight and beyond. Yep. Um, and, you know, shoot us some messages, parents that are listening. If you're listening, let us know. If you like what you see, give us a give us a five-star review <laughs> to knock out that one-star oh, review yeah. we got. <laughs> but listen, whatever gangsta gave us that one-star <laughs> review, I appreciate it that yeah. we, we elicited some so much passion in somebody <laughs> to give us a one-star review. That response. Yes, I love it. If we can incite passion, that means we're doing something, right? Absolutely. Well, man, it was good talking about this one. That's and right. Be listening for the next episode. We'll see you guys later. Thank you